is the Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast, telling the story of Kosciuszko County through the eyes of those who have been here lifetimes and those who have just arrived. The mission of Clearly Kosciuszko is to craft a sense of place and pull all corners of our county together. The story of our community is ever unfolding and needs you. Each month, we'll talk with those involved in our community and invite listeners to play, learn, and grow alongside us. Now, the latest edition of the Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast with your host, Jody Claypool and Ryan Martin. It's another Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast broadcasting from the third floor of City Hall, the Ketco Studio offices, looking out the window, sunshine's trying to come through. Uh, been an interesting winter so far. Honestly, I'm not sure you can say we've actually had winter yet. Jody, Jody yeah, Claypool, no. my co-host, sitting here in the chair as always. Ryan, I I gotta tell you, uh, end of 2021 mm-hmm. was uh, it was crazy mm-hmm. with the weather, right? Um, and I think that is a good contributor for why we've got this like massive surge in illness right. that hit people. Right. I know I got hit by it. Sure. Uh, not to mention, it's frustrating because I don't know what to wear when I walk outside. I don't know if right. it's gonna be 10 degrees or if it's gonna be 40 degrees. Well, you know, usually I'm a warm air guy. You know, which is bad because I live where we live. Uh, but this year, I was actually, I'm rooting for it to be cold. Because the pier guys came this past summer and deemed they could put, not put in the last extension that I wanted to put on because it's too deep. And they said, we'll be back when there's ice. I'm like, well, criminy. That means we're going to have to get cold <laughs> enough to get a good six, eight, ten inches of ice out there for them to work on. And we haven't gotten there yet. No, Jimmy, no. So. You'll, you'll get these teaser cold yeah. days, right? You get like three or four days where it's 15 degrees and you're like, yes, and then 40. Yeah. I mean, so the small lakes, the small lakes, you know, get a little little frozen over, got a little snow. Yeah. But the big lakes, they haven't done squats so yeah. far. Anyway. So all this to say, it's been a wild ride, and uh, we have we we've stepped up to the plate, Jody. We have got an equally wild guest on the podcast today. Clearly, Kyle's I agree I because yeah, you know, we're just talking here, and th- this guest is probably not a stranger to most folks in Kosciuszko County. But we were just kind of talking here, and I believe that I just got schooled. I ha- I have multiple I have multiple business entities myself, and I just got schooled. Uh, by our guest here as to how all of these things should probably work. So uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. So today we're talking to Mini Truex. Uh, so for anybody in the area, like uh-huh. you said, right. they already know who I'm talking about. Sure. But if you're not from the area, right. Mini Truex is president of CB Farms. Okay. Okay. Now that's just kind of a vagary. But CB Farms is the parent company uh-huh. for Creighton Brothers. Creighton oh. Brothers. Oh, it's them. Yes. I see. Okay. Yes, yes. Creighton Brothers. Creighton Brothers is all things eggs. Right. And if you're if you're driving through Kosciuszko County or you've been here for any period of time, right. you're going to know about Creighton Brothers. Yeah. And if you haven't been in here a while, go over to the other side, the the west side uh-huh. of Warsaw. Right. They have the Crazy Egg Cafe. That's correct. And it is phenomenal. It's great. It's phenomenal. And so I'm going to start with the leadoff question. First of all, welcome, Mindy. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. But the big question for the day, because uh, so, she can answer it, which did come first, the chicken or the egg? Page one. Page one. The chicken. Okay. Okay. That was Should, something. Ladies and that gentlemen. Was, that was something I, I learned from my husband 
whenever anybody asked him in mm-hmm. his sales days mm-hmm. and things. And he was like page one of the the good the good big book. Okay. There you go. All right. You have the answer. Podcast He's, over. That's Thanks. Your, actually, <laughs> we have we have answered a question that has plagued society right. since the beginning of time. And, and, and he's much more thorough. <laughs> On being able to actually quote. Oh, okay. I can't do that. All right, I would well, totally screw it well, up. Well, we so. put you on the spot anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, welcome, Mindy. It, I it's thought it was either that or why did the chicken cross the road? Well, Colonel Sanders yeah. answered that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for being here. So, you know, like we said, a lot of folks that listen to the podcast uh, know you, know Creighton Brothers, or know one of the entities or multiple things you have your hands on. Uh, we want to just talk a little bit before we get into that. Um, let's talk backstory. You know, I'm going to start there. Uh, we talk with lifers that are on the, have been on this podcast, natives, Jody calls them, and we talk with people that moved here six weeks ago. Uh, you're clearly in the former category, the Truex family, and, and Mindy, you've been ensconced in the community for a while. So tell us a little bit about your origins here. Um, born and raised south of Atwood mm-hmm. on Crystal Lake, speaking of lakes, mm-hmm. who have had a great ice cap so far this year. Fantastic. Um and went to Mentone in Tippecanoe Valley and then had um, finished up my degree work for college at, down at Purdue, which followed my dad and one of his sisters in graduating from there. Um, after graduation, dad, Eddie Creighton, who was general manager at the time and things at the farm, he stressed as family and I may have grown up in the business, but he wanted me to go away and have experience elsewhere. So I kept thinking that, you know, I need to go someplace far enough away that I can like not run home every weekend, not, you know, get away. So I ended up in a really cool area that I question now why I moved back from there some days, but (laughs) I was, I was in uh, Washington state, just South of Tacoma. My, as I went to work for uh, Wilcox Farms out there that did poultry and dairy for eggs and milk, covered, they covered the whole, they were much more retail oriented, covering the whole dairy case and things, helped out with HR, helped out with marketing, you know, kind of, so that was their first experience at having kind of a person that wasn't going to be a long-term person there, because the plan was I was just going to work for them for a year, which in hindsight, I should have made it like five years, but worked for them for a year. And then the plan was like, I'm here for a year, then I'm going home. Well, I found out that even Washington State wasn't far enough away to let go and kind of be be kind of this anonymous person out there that, you know, not drag that background with me, but it came with me. And they were, you know, we'd always talk about comparisons between their egg business and our egg business. And what did we do in this situation? What did they do? So it was kind of like, I still feel like, okay, I'm still not far enough away. And uh, continued tapping my people back here to be like, okay, help me with this. What would we do? How did we do? Yeah. So, um, but that was interesting. It was beautiful. My cubicle window faced Mount Rainier. Mm. I, it was the most gorgeous place I've ever been. And uh, short of sitting along the Tippecanoe River here in Kosciuszko County. Um, nice which, save. Nice save. Which, which we had. We've got, I mean, kind of grew up with that aspect. 
deep in the farm um, when you get west and south of um, Warsaw, the Atwood area where the Tippecanoe River runs through. We Our farms back up a lot of that area. And that's the only irrigation we do for all of our crop ground and stuff is out of the Tippecanoe River. Um, we also have... In more recent years, we've had to build a three-stage lagoon system for our wastewater from our Crystal Lake plant. So that also feeds um, some ground as irrigation out of the third stage and stuff. But we can still, we still pull from the river when that water isn't available to, for irrigation and things. So, um, yeah, it was, I was glad to get back. I mean, I, as much as I maybe didn't totally embrace just I'm going to work for the family business. I'm going to stay with this. And I kept looking at what do I want to do? You know, it wasn't necessarily an assumption, I guess on my part that I was going to come back. So I was looking at other things I wanted to do and had absolutely nothing to do with farming and agriculture or anything. And all roads for some reason kept the closest I was, those that I wanted to be a vet and like a large animal vet and stuff. Me and chemistry and advanced, advanced math stuff, it, it kind of fell short in high school where I went, okay, burst that bubble. Now what do I want to do? And uh, so it was, it was interesting how I felt like agriculture and things just kind of kept sucking me back in kind of thing. And then staying with the family business and finding my way through kind of making a place for myself because there wasn't necessarily something back here going, we need you, we need you. You know, it was kind of, dad had me work around different areas of the, the farm and the plant and things before I begged my way into like, I get it. I've been out here. I've experienced things. I walked chicken houses. I packed eggs. I pulled dead birds from um, cages and different things that I did the nasty. I did come of the um, fun the it's hard work I came to very much appreciate that I feel like I can relate um, it still is something that's not just a distant memory so what what year uh, you were at the Wilcox farm mm -hmm. what year did you make the transition back to 91 so 91 I came back fall of 91 I came back so I just had my 30th anniversary and I always thought we give employee trips um, for 20 years. And then when we started having people uh, having 40 years, we were like, what do we do? <laughs> so it's like, well, we gave them one for 20 because I guess we'll do the same thing for 40. They definitely deserve it if they've been here 40 years. So I thought, I'm never, I'm never going to get to 20 years because I'd work summers, I'd work off night. I'm like, I'm never going to accumulate that much time. So yeah. it's sometimes kind of like, it seems like forever that, you know, I guess it has been. From when I was little, I started out in our hatchery going in, and I loved the baby chicks, as all little kids do. So um, they tolerated me and made a little spot for me on the table in the morning, and Dad would drop me off there. So, so yeah. there's there's a good I, there's a good portion of the audience, me included, mm -hmm. that doesn't fully appreciate the life of this <laughs> ecosystem like where does it start you know you asked a pertinent question yeah, right, chicken right. or the egg <laughs> right yeah. well you get chickens from eggs so where does this whole process actually start where do, do you start at the hatchery is that where this whole thing gets kicked off we used to we used to have our own breeder flocks that was one thing that grandpa started out with very big was in breeding 
genetics and everything, and they developed our own CB cross. And they, it was all white leghorns, but they did their own, you know, we did the genetic work. We had a um, genetic specialist that worked for us, worked for the farm and everything. And that was the one thing he was very big on was creating. So you guys, at this point, you were taking existing chicken breeds Mm -hmm. and you were breeding them together. Well, finding finding the males and females that were creating a white, white leghorn combination, you know. It's still a white leghorn chicken, but they were taking breeding stock. To make bigger eggs? To make better producing hens. So eggs that to have a hen that lay over an egg a day? Or? Well, they, they will never. Never. Well, never say never, but um, the, way they, the way the chicken and the egg come about creation, um, it takes 24 to 26 hours for that hen to develop an egg inside of her. Mm-hmm. So she can't do more than one a day. And she gets a sort of a day off in there somewhere because of the extra time. So we always say that they get a day off. They just don't all do it on the same time so that we can all have a day off. Right. So chickens don't understand like Saturday, Sunday. They don't understand holidays. Have you guys ever put up a calendar and shown it to them? You know, I've I've wondered if Grandpa could have done a little more to try That's to explain <laughs> those kind of things to him. But well, um, and at the time that your grandpa was doing this, though, these were. These were cutting edge advance, edge advances he yeah, was trying to make. He was, you know, because you know, I assume we were moving from two hundred and sixty some odd eggs a year. So Grandpa was trying to push push the envelope, right? I mean, the whole reason behind it would have been trying to get more production, right? And that, and that's what all breeding companies, the breeders, they they want a hen that's gonna, I mean, just be a better producer. They want a hen that um, has better livability that. It can be a healthier, stronger chicken that can, you know, can just be, you know, maybe quieter, (laughs) you know, because some of them, depending on the housing style and different things that are used, I mean, and back in grandpa's day, everything was on the floor, you know, there was no such thing as enclosures unless it's to enclose just this little bunch of chickens, not the the cage systems that came along um, later in the 60s and and things to get them up off the ground, to get them in smaller units so that the caretaker could observe them, watch them, know if one's sick, know if one's, I mean, you can actually even tell by the color of their legs if they're, whether it's bright yellow or whether they're paler, if they're even laying eggs or not. And it used to be that they used that to call birds that weren't laying. Oh, wow. And things. And so... They, you know, when they started doing that, it became much easier for one person to take care of more chickens. So how how long ago was he doing this? This is your dad, right? My grandpa. Your grandpa. How, how long ago was your grandpa doing this kind of genetic um, analysis and breeding? Um, definitely 30s, 40s, probably still in the 50s. At one point then, um, we sold all of our genetics and things to H&N, which is a primary worldwide breeder. Mm. Um, And we had been working with them. And so then eventually he sold out all that breeding, the breeding stock, all the everything to them. And we became a distributor for H&N. We had hatcheries. We had hatcheries up until about 2000. We stopped doing that because of economies of scale and we couldn't hatch enough birds to 
fill houses properly. Okay, so the hatchery so. for people again who mm-hmm. are who are listening. Mm-hmm. So there there's a place where there's like an incubating, mm-hmm. um, like a heated space mm-hmm. where you put these eggs. So you don't actually have chickens nurturing the eggs. You just have an environment in which that the simulates eggs, that the simula- chicken laying yeah. on the egg. It keeps it at a good temperature. A chicken. I mean, everything you do is to simulate the way a hen would lay on a nest, and the eggs are turned back and forth so they don't just sit one way. And um, but they. They rotate back and forth. They have to have a specific humidity and a specific heat and everything being perfect the way a hen would do it. Then they, after 19 days of the 21 it takes to hatch the chick, after 19 days, the eggs were transferred to setting machines. They called setters, where it was more a large unit that had lots of drawers to it. These drawers were like, you know, this so big. And all these eggs just laid in there so that then as they hatched out, the little chicks walked around in that tray and everything. And then that's what they would bring out in the morning on um, any day. It was always Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday that they did hatches. And they would bring those trays out then, and then they had the baskets beside them. And that's what, as a little kid, I got to do. Because all you had to do is be able to count to 25 because each square in the basket, you put 25 chicks in. So you had your 100 chicks in a tray. So this hatchery now... Mm -hmm. Is a it's a standalone business that provides hatched chicks to businesses like yours, correct? So now you buy the hatched chicks. Now we work with those primary breeder companies, and there's different ones all over that um, produce the baby chicks. And so we have orders in with them in a schedule of when we replace flocks and stuff so that's one whole source of planning that goes on all the time so about what age do you then receive day old a day old so you're getting these little tiny chicks Mm -hmm. so this is you know this is the the, this is what you see when you go to what what what, ts not tsc anymore but you know tsc has them big r would have them yeah Yeah. those little tiny it's little chicks it's the 4-h chicks that you get as well so so i i you know you you warned us we could get in the weeds, Mindy, and that's fine. <laughs> and, and I'm going to go a little bit farther because I want to go back to this quieter chicken. Has there been any <laughs> further research done on that? Because let me tell you, jo- I actually have Jody's old chicken house. Jody and I used to be neighbors, and I have his old chicken house, and 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 and, and we have chickens. And dear heavens, in the these are the noisiest birds. They're louder than the geese that are in the area. What the, you know, is there any research that's been done on a quieter chicken? Because uh, sign me up. Sign me up for the quieter well, chicken. By quieter, um, depending on the housing style. Okay. For the chicks need to be raised where if they're going to be in like some of the newer cage-free things that they're doing now, um, there's an enriched colony mm-hmm. enclosure that's like four feet wide by... 10, 12 feet long. Mm-hmm. You can put lots of birds in there. They have nesting boxes and perches to sit on and everything so they can exhibit more of their natural behaviors and mm-hmm. things. Um, whether a bird's going to be in some sort of enclosure, large or small, or if they're going to be cage-free, that's two totally different so, styles in which then you need to raise the bird. Mm-hmm. And you the, the quieter in nature a bird has to not get their... F- feathers ruffled over somebody coming in or um, 
you know, they maybe they get along better because all the pecking order of what what goes on, no matter what the if there's six together, if there's twenty together, if there's twenty thousand together, there's a pecking order, mm-hmm. and it's you. There's still going to be that dominant bird. You're going to have the ones that just want to go off and stand in a corner, <laughs> and yep. so. So what you're telling me, is I, I can read it. I'm a big boy. I can take it. <laughs> my desire for a silent chicken for my backyard chicken flock is, is not going to happen, no, Jody. I, no. But see, what the you need to do is you need to organize them, get them all together, and be like, he's the leader. Oh, they do that their own. They, they, yeah. they, they do that they their swore, own and selves. It, we, that can, and that can be ugly, yeah, no matter where the chickens are raised or, yeah. or different things. I've seen some of them that... Yeah, we, yeah we've, that dominant, we've dealt with that. So yeah. that dominant chicken can be ugly. Anyway. So you're so you're you got you used to work in the hatchery. Now you guys you guys get the day old birds, right? Now the growth the the time span that it takes for a day old chicken to become a producing bird, mm-hmm. and then once they become a producing bird to be a productive bird until end of life, what is that? They and we always talk in weeks. So in my head, I'm trying to do the months. The um, 18 weeks, so four and a half months to five months, is when they start laying eggs. So we have them in grower houses for that time period, so that it's basically like a laying house, but they're just no egg belts. They're growing in this process, gotcha. and so. You're feeding them, taking care of them, getting them ready for... And at this point, they're, they're not making you any money. They're no. just eating and living. Yep. Okay. You know, they're like the kids at home mm-hmm. that just cost you a lot of money, but you got to get them grown up right. Wait, do, do kids eventually lay eggs? <laughs> kids hopefully someday <laughs> become productive and, you know, contribute to society, not... Fingers crossed. You know, yeah, let, let's I not, know. Let's not, talk, let's not talk our, yeah. ROI on kids right yeah, now. It's yeah. not, a, not a good day for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So then it, it, we usually try to uh, move them from a grower facility to a laying house at about 18 weeks, give or take. Okay. And you don't want them to start laying eggs before they get over there because Mother Nature has all that part yeah. under control. Yeah, yeah. And when it's time, they're going to start laying eggs. So you want to make sure they're... They're moved over there in proper facilities to collect eggs, and and a new bunch of people are watching them and taking care of them, and yeah. the facilities that take care of getting the eggs gathered. All right, so let's let, let let's transition, and those birds, finally, those birds stay in production for a couple years, at the most. Yeah, kind of depends on just how well they're and so maintaining. And there's a whole like there's a whole farm. Like there's food that you've got to get these things. There's places you got to put these birds. Is this all packed into Kosciuszko County? Yes, all of our farms, our growing farms, our laying farms, everything is 100 percent in Kosciuszko County. Is it most of that over west of Warsaw? Where west and south, south of Atwood, down to the Sevastopol Claypool area, Sevastopol, or farthest south farms. I I don't think we've ever had. So, but in all episodes so far, <laughs> nobody has referenced Sebastopol. I, no. that's that's a new one. I mean, you, you and I know what's there, but no one has evidently <laughs> ever referenced it in the podcast. So, bravo, Mindy. At first, uh, yeah, uh, but let's let's. That's my wild and crazy side. That's it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't don't sell yourself short. Um, so, Creighton Brothers ranks nationally in egg production at what level? About twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. So these are these are huge farms. Yeah. But uh, it, yeah. it, it, we're we're like one percent of the national com- commercial the the world of American egg farmers 
on a commercial stage were one percent. One percent of the national best. production. And Mindy, how many eggs is that annually? Annually. Oh, okay, man. monthly, whatever. Just the stat that you. What's <laughs> well, your egg production? On a if we're at full capacity, we might do about three million eggs a day. Three million eggs a day. So I do math. Three million yeah. eggs a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year, yeah. and that is one percent of national eggs are a big deal. Mindy. I mean, eggs are a big deal. There are there are producers out there that are building farms now that are, you know, three times, four times, whatever, you know, bigger than what we have mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Where, yeah, usually when I try to put our farms in perspective, it's always like, yes, the houses are big when people are used to backyard flocks or mm-hmm. nothing at all or something, but they're big houses and it's all of that just bigger. Yeah. You know, we have to take care of our birds like hopefully people take would if people that have birds at home, um, we would love to give them some hot tips. But the biggest thing is biosecurity and mm-hmm. vaccinations yep. because that's probably one of the biggest threats to our business. If we have, I mean, when in 2015, I mean, it's almost like the 2020 for humans. Yeah. 2015 was the world of any kind of turkeys, broilers, layer birds, poultry. Um, the wild birds bringing um, avian influenza mm-hmm. to commercial flocks. And they, the turkeys are most susceptible, so it started out kind of taking out turkey flocks. And then they finally, in all the, the research and trying to figure out how does this spread, it can spread on a grain of dust when they're working the fields. If the wild birds are landing out in the fields and all those Canadian geese out there that, that – People see if they drive anywhere, out on the lakes, different things. As soon as those farmers work the fields, including ours, it could just be that dust in the air gets into the chicken house and the ventilation systems, and they'll see how it just swept across the chicken house. Mm. And you didn't, at that time, the threat was, I mean, you didn't have to wonder if your birds had AI. It's not like there's people that could walk in a chicken house and be like, this isn't normal. You know, mm-hmm. on, a, on a random daily basis, they may have some kind of bronchitis. They may have some other kind of poultry-related disease, and they could just walk in and know instantly, this doesn't sound normal. Mm. They're, you know, they can hear them coughing. They can hear them wheezing. They can hear them, you know, it's not the normal chatter <laughs> kind of thing. And that was one time that you didn't have to wonder. If you wondered, yeah, it was done. Give, it, yeah. give it another few hours, and they're all going to be dead because yeah. it was that much of a wipe out of your flock. Mm. And then it was a matter of how do you kind of shut this thing down and keep it from going to the next building, hopefully. So, how, yeah, how did that work? Did you just quarantine well, that house? Luckily, and... I mean, luckily yeah. we didn't have to experience that. Yeah. It was Columbia City was the closest it got. And that was somebody that had bought birds for their backyard from a wet market, different things that ended up, it was that stressed bird that they brought from the market because that whole situation was stressed. And like a person under stress, you get your immunity goes down. Oh, you're right, a little more right. susceptible to things. And they also had this nice marshy area behind their property that encouraged the wild birds and mm-hmm. stuff. So that's where that contamination comes in. But we have, I mean, neighbors all over the place to us out in the countryside that if one of them had a bird that got sick and they have to, I mean, they're supposed to report it. You want to report it so that 
you know, things get taken care of and you figure out where it came from and lock it down. But if that happened, our farms are so, they're spread out, but in a way they're so close together that there becomes this dome of quarantine. And there's like a outside chance that our farms down in Sevastopol um, could maybe, if it was far enough north, maybe they wouldn't be quarantined. But then our plant would be quarantined, so yeah, how right. does that work? Yeah. Right. I mean, that would be one of the most devastating things to so what's our the, business and livelihood here. What's the uh, system for for um, keeping track of avian? Because I assume this is an ongoing mm-hmm. thing. And right now, we're I know over the last couple of years, there's been a bigger threat to um, that potential. Yeah, so how do they track? The US how, do they, again. how do they keep track of all that stuff to let it's, everybody know in real time where, well, where it's... It's tracked worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's been rampant in the Asian, um, European countries. Right. I mean, it's been rampant for the last few years over is, there. Is that like, like a, they've never gotten it quieted down? And a lot of a times, domestic... that's communities where people are all but living with their chickens, and yeah. you know, there's yeah. just that much more connect. You know, they're not in facilities where you can have good biosecurity and like we spray down vehicles and tires and stuff so that they're not going to bring something from the road in past the chicken house from the outside. We've gone to um, the folks that work um, at the chicken houses. They, they have to um, just short of doing a shower in, shower out, they do a, like, they put on laundered clothes. There's a mm. a wall of sense where your shoes you wore in yeah. don't go on. You know, so it starts to look more like an Intel plant. I think since right, right, 2015, I have been out to the a farm with chickens once. Mm. Because Are if we, you don't have... Is the United States a uh, ex, uh, large exporter or... Of eggs, we mainly they, an were, they were a very huge exporter of eggs, and then in 2015, like Stopped. like when the hat thing happened in Columbia City, yeah. we had a truck on the way with liquid product or egg products um, to Canada. We sent a lot of product to Canada, right? When that truck, got, because of what happened, and I mean, and we had nothing to do with that. This right. truck had long since, I mean, that product had been processed, pasteurized put in a tanker on the way to Canada and it got to the Canadian border and it was like, Oh, Indiana had an outbreak. No, you go home. We don't take anything from Indiana now. Well, other countries did that to all of us in general. Mm -hmm. And then plus with some of the bigger producers in Iowa and places that got decimated by this, all of a sudden there was an egg shortage that we had people calling, trying to get more product from us for Crystal Lake or more mm-hmm. shell eggs from mm-hmm. Creighton Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like, it's not that we like saying no to a customer. I mean, that's not in our makeup. That's not in any salesperson's makeup to say no to a customer. But it's like, we physically don't have and can't get the eggs. So the U.S. actually became an importer then. And the hard part is that the U.S. standards for egg production are so high mm-hmm. And with refrigeration that a lot of even the European countries and things don't have, um, that our standards and those standards to which we want to maintain to bring product into the country, um, to bring the shell eggs in, we were very limited on what countries we could even import from because of who also would do things according to those standards. Yeah, right. 
So okay. So we're still trying to so we're become ne- a better we're, exporter than importer of eggs. We're, so. we're primarily an exporter of eggs. We're trying to like. build that back up right now, which but is building because of other countries that are dealing right. with AI. They're having egg shortages, which gotcha. other countries will just say, we don't have eggs. Yeah. yeah. Here, I mean, until uh, you've never seen bare shelves like you see now so, in the grocery store. but That's yeah. one of the aspects of the the business, the realities of doing what you do, right? It's just having to deal with this bio threat. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the recent environment as far as, uh, you know, gas price surges? Um, you know, you've got, I don't know if... Cracked corn is, is that the primary food source for your chicken? Because I'm mean, based on backyard chicken, yeah. you know, yeah. raising. Yeah. I don't even actually yeah. know corn what chicken is. Eat. Corn is our number one largest expense throughout the year. Okay. Um, feeding the chickens, the rations are all primarily corn, um, soybean meal, other vitamin premixes, some different things we get in, and other random so ingredients. Are, are you but, guys seeing those input costs affect your bottom line? Oh God, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Depressed egg prices, which I've I've been known to be driving down the road screaming at my radio before when they talk about that the price of chickens, like the price of all these you know farm things, all the beef, pork, eggs, and then they throw eggs in there about how all these prices are up. And I've been known to scream back at the radio that not eggs, not at least to the egg producer. They always talk about a lot of times what the retail prices that people see in the grocery store at a meat counter. And the difference in what actually, because other areas of processing, eggs are one of the f- one of the few that, like we have our eggs, we process our eggs, we sell them to a customer. A lot of pork people, beef people, different things, they sell to the processor, and then or the processor may own through contract or something the production backwards. But eggs are one of the unique barnyard products that do all of that yeah so when you talk about back to the farmer i mean that's prices we're getting if we sell eggs to kroger here in town or which we don't do a lot of retail um since the marsh stores closed that was our big retail okay outlet when all they when they closed um we i mean it's not that easy to just go pick up another and you guys don't sell direct to customers you don't have like a just at the Crazy Egg Cafe. If okay. I can get me, you know, get my own little plug in there. Yes, please. We do um, like large carton eggs out there that come straight from the plant, fresher well, than anything you'll get at the I grocery store. I did not know you did that. Now, and to start we also eggs have um, the the farmer term of a super jumbo, which there's not a technical term to label them that way, so they're just labeled as jumbos. But they're all double yokers, and they're too big to go through equipment and things. So. Um, they asked me one time if I would want to sell those at the cafe. And I was like, absolutely. I think, you know, they're so cool. That's all I like to get and take home because they're all double yokers. And the way I, that was my, one of my bigger fails when my dad put me on the spot. When we were in a group of people somewhere, I went with him and he's like, tell them where those come from. I was like, oh no, because <laughs> I really didn't know for sure. And so my wild guess, because based on the thing of a chicken starts with like theoretically a small leg and then they get bigger over time. So I said, the older chickens thinking they're going to keep getting bigger. So they're going to go from laying extra large jumbo, then they'll lay those really big ones. And it was a, yeah, no, 
No. <laughs> yeah. So he's trying to cover up like, you know, teaching moment. <laughs> and it's the young birds that aren't laying regularly yet. And they may, they have a whole clutch of eggs inside. That so are, they release two. And so they drop this egg at a, this yolk at a time to make the egg inside. And so when they're not regular yet at dropping just a um, one yolk at a time, they, at some point before the shell starts going on, they may drop two. They may drop two at the same time. It may, you know, mm. just come quicker, all that. But they drop two yolks instead of one. So as the chicken gets older, that system gets better. And so it's the young flocks that those double yokers come from. And people are always like, how do you know? How do you know these are all double yokers and different things? I'm like, well, it's the logistics of it's an egg that big. And comes from a young with a flock, it comes from the size it is and things. I can pretty much 99.9% guarantee double yoker in every one. May even have three or even we've seen a four yoke. So now you're, what, what you're telling me is Crazy Egg Cafe offers double yokers for sale. Double yokers, regular large, and hard cooked and peeled eggs. So and this is this is I, I've got a I've got a litany of questions and honestly <laughs> we're 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 out of time already but we're gonna keep going so yeah, yeah let's, let's put this let's put this yeah. on the season the, one the, episode two these right? are gonna be <laughs> rapid fire questions that okay. are gonna satisfy maybe some of the uh, the housewife kind of moments out there first of all how long can uh, what's the shelf life of egg unrefrigerated and not refrigerated if you have them sitting on your counter not refrigerated ever before fresh from the egg they'll age a week for every day set outside the refrigerator. Okay. Um, so sometimes if you're trying to age your eggs to do the boiling at home and stuff and get that shell off better, you want to let them, they could sit out for a few days, okay. even a week or yep. something, but use older eggs or age that you've let kind of age naturally by sitting outside the refrigerator. In the refrigerator, the cartons are marked with a mm-hmm. sell by, use by something. My dad can always say this with a straight face, and I just can't. But he can also fool even my 60-plus-year-old cousins with a straight face with his dry sense of humor. But he always says, you know, if you're just not comfortable with it, you should throw them away and go buy new ones. (laughs) I've tried the experiment when I was single, living by myself, of just how long will that egg last in the refrigerator? Mm -hmm. And I never really found a... What I've discovered is they, they lose whites... Because mm-hmm. they 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 have pores and the moisture goes out through the pores when it's sitting in the refrigerator, and so it'll get a little thicker <laughs> looking. Mm-hmm. It'll get a little like harder to come out of the shell. And I've seen some almost down to just a yolk. <laughs> okay. And then sometimes I've decided that I really don't need these eggs that bad. I can go get new ones. So I may throw them away or give them to the dog. But. All right, so next question. If you sell double yolkers at uh, Crazy Egg, if I'm baking mm-hmm. and the recipe calls for two eggs, can I use one double yoker? I would try that. <laughs> <laughs> I would say have some of both. Oh, okay. There have, there, have the conventional large eggs sitting there for your recipes and things, and then have the double yolkers there for your fun of... The over easy eggs, sunny side see, up. See, I'm looking I to was, have your fun of seeing. I was just say for breakfast, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For no, I mean, that's, sure. that, that's cool. But, I, you know, yeah. I'm looking ROI on my brownies. If I can use one egg rather than two, I've saved myself well, here's, a couple cents. And also, and also <laughs> the, the cooking hack that I read about, I haven't ex- 
actually experienced it myself yet, but to get a like box cake mix Mm -hmm. or a box mix to taste more like something from scratch, Mm -hmm. you throw an extra egg in. You throw an egg. So if you just use double yolked eggs in them, that's one. There's like a list of hacks you can do. But one of them is to throw in an extra egg. Look at that. Well, see, and anybody who knows me knows I'm an innovator. Okay. (laughs) So you, if you don't already have it on the menu, need to have the double yoker. And it could be an omelet. I mean, and it's just an omelet made out of double yolk eggs. Mm-hmm. Those sound like hotcakes or double yolk omelets. <laughs> yeah, but then you're going to have people come along like me and want to prove it that it's made with yeah, double yolk Yeah, see, that's the thing. A, that's where I'm omelet, thinking more the blue, the blue ribbon firm plate that is just usually, it could be scrambled, but, you know, the people that want those sunny side up or over easy or something. I've thought about that. I'm even thinking a breakfast sandwich where you could actually put it in a ring so that you have the double yolk sitting right here and flopped on a biscuit. See, this is what we do. This is what we do right here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's the fun of eggs is there's just the never-ending fun in the kitchen. of. Well, you're talking about a a staple in the American diet, okay? It's it's something where um, a lot of people – will go to the store and they think the life of the egg begins and ends at the styrofoam container you see in the frozen, mm-hmm. or not the frozen, the refrigerated egg. Uh, you whatever, can't freeze them case. if right. you're worried about the livelihood of the eggs in the refrigerator. So, well, there you go. There's, that's yeah. another that's <laughs> That's another a thing. whole, there that's another that's, conversation. But the reality is that, uh, the and all the stuff that eggs go into, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like corn, right? Mm-hmm. People, a lot of people don't recognize how much of, Everything that we consume has these products mm-hmm. in it, or the life that the product takes and the effort that goes into taking it from its origin to its destination. And so it's, I think all of this stuff is fantastic for the average listener to come out and say, hey, you know, uh, what, what is this thing that I'm cracking open and putting in my you know, omelet or mm-hmm. on my plate? Mm-hmm. I really do. And I'm learning a lot. Well, and, and anybody sitting at home on a computer, their phone, anything. If you want to access all things eggs from recipes to the egg encyclopedia of terms and things about eggs or research done by the Egg Nutrition Center, um, the American Egg Board at IncredibleEgg.org is the true world of all things eggs, whether it's research, whether it's recipes, whether it's yeah. per- finding out about the egg farmers and things. Well, the the other um, other thing I want to plug mm-hmm. is that you've done a phenomenal job of compiling the history of your family's farm. And it's something where it's worthwhile to come visit the Creighton Brother business. And it, Experience the cafe. Experience all these products, right? And make a visit. It's a. It's actually. A, it would be worthwhile to come to Kosciuszko County, turn the wheel at the Crazy Egg Cafe, and go on that journey. Mm-hmm. Learn about the farm. Learn about because the, there's a whole story there. There's a there's a building that, and this is what I learned the last time we talked. There's a building with blacked out windows, and there's a whole story about the why. Yeah, that building has black. I'm not going to ruin it. Which that's not my why the whole tell, it's that building out there started out as the visitor center, because the whole way that whole thing was worked on, I had that going on in my mind for I don't know how many years before it actually opened, because 
we were always told as farmers that if you want to overcome the negative story that's put out there by the activists, if you want to combat that, if you want to, and farmers typically just don't go around telling their story. Yeah. If there's any group that's more humble out there than anybody, although you get to talking to me or my dad at the cafe by chance and ask them one question and you're going to learn more about eggs than you ever wanted to know because you start in one area and I apologize. I told him in advance, I apologize if I get in the weeds on an answer, but it just kind of, there's so much to tell people just about eggs, let alone what all we do. And it's, it was supposed to start, we started out as a place to bring bus groups. And I had a viewing room out at one of our farms. And before the, the cafe building got opened, avian influenza went through my visitors, my great little, some people got to go there. There were a few groups that got to go out there before we were officially on this market of doing tours and, and stuff. But, um, and they loved it. There was a big viewing room into the, the chicken house part. There were TV monitors kind of thing we had where we had cameras all spread out in the house. Um, that all got taken away from my tour and tell the story effort. Um, so then I just had a room. And I was going to try to figure out how to outfit this room as one big educational process. Well, then the room also had to be able to do double duty as an event center kind of thing where people have had weddings. They've had weddings and receptions. They've had receptions. They've had birthday parties, anniversary parties. Um, The the school's done their uh, football awards program there now a couple times. I mean, there's been, we even had a funeral viewing there once. Um, I mean, we've, I can almost say we've done just about anything over there. Um, And so it kind of, my educational effort kind of came to a screeching halt too, because I couldn't make the room that convertible. Yeah. Um, And so I'm still, now that I'm not in the cafe full time, one thing I want to do is get back to telling our story over there and coming up with some things and trying to find ways while people are waiting or just out in the lobby area or something, how to integrate much more of the family, the family story, the farm, the, all that into it and things. So, yeah. And let's, uh, as we try and try to try and wrap (laughs) this up, I'm going to kind of, we talked a lot about eggs and agriculture and farming. Uh, That's, but a, small piece of your footprint on this community and county uh what else is and i'm going to use the word cratons because that's what i feel most comfortable with but so but but the the farm what else do you have your claws in in this community and 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 you've you've been as native um, building blocks of the community there's a lot but give us some of the highlights of some of the other things creighton is involved in good chicken pun by the way I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, we've we've liked to try to be a part of projects, um, whether that was when the Westminster building out at Grace mm-hmm. was due to meet a wrecking ball at one point. Mm-hmm. It's like, do we save it? Do we let the wrecking ball go mm-hmm. through? And they came and they talked to us, and we made contributions to that project of bringing that mm-hmm. facility back. Um, the new Lakes and Streams building with the Dane Miller Science mm-hmm, Center mm-hmm. Yep. building. Um, we had a small contribution into that with the YMCA from their old building to their new building. We've had a small contribution. You know, we're not a big, 
big name contribution in those kind of things, but we liked, you know, the Beeman home when they built their new building. Um, we like to try to find projects like that, mm -hmm. that we can get behind and help support. Um, even just the, the poultry facility at the, the fairgrounds, you know, I'm working on trying to be more in touch with them. We, you know, sponsor one little award for them to recognize a group at the fair, but I, I've asked and I'm reaching out, like, how can we have a bigger presence there? Um, there are sometimes, you know, there are some offers of projects that maybe sometimes we have to kind of like let it sit and melt a little bit in your mind to kind of figure out. And so there's some things that we haven't jumped on, but I've also wanted to kind of circle back on them and things with um, like the launch pad the child care mm -hmm. stuff that they're working on. That's one. If you're listening out there, um, <laughs> I would like to circle back to that and get back on that. Uh, probably my biggest pride and joy isn't necessarily local, um, but it was one of the most unique time, place, all the things that came together for it that we ended up with the opportunity when down on Purdue University campus, they were building a new animal science building the old lily hall mm -hmm. if anyone is a purdue have Purdue experience in different things lily hall um had its prominent spot on state street down right in the middle of campus and things it was falling apart ceiling tiles that wouldn't stay up i had one of the um, people down there took me by the arm out into the hallway one time and was and this is when we were already having the cake and punch that they got all their funding it was going forward with the new facility and i'm like We've already bought in. I get mm -hmm. it. Um, this building was not a place to bring pro prospective students and be able to say, don't you want to come here to be a part of what's next and the biggest and the, you know, the best and the brightest and all that kind of stuff. He's like, how do we attract the best and the brightest to want to be involved in your business or be involved in anything of animal agriculture and helping build that to be a bigger, better thing. And, we got the opportunity um, to get the, the naming donation. Mm. So we did the big donation to be able to name the building. And my dad, having been a poultry science major and spent a lot of time in the animal science area down there, um, and just Purdue University being near and dear to us, um, the fact we had that opportunity. Yeah. And we had, unfortunately, we had some local people that thought, why didn't you spend that money, you know, paying your people more? Why didn't you do that? And when I was explaining to, to you guys before about our structure and our companies and stuff, my grandpa, he and his brother founded the company in 1925. He was such a forward thinker and different things that it's scary sometimes. He started making investments way back when. They didn't just, I mean, not only reinvesting, we tried to, plow money back into the farm as much as we can to keep growing conservatively, but keep growing, keep improving, keeping new equipment, keeping new facilities, um, trying to keep the business very strong. But then also there were investments made on the side that could help just increase the strength of the company, whether it was to borrow money or different things is to right. make us a stronger a stronger entity. Well, that has grown to the point that, you know, to try to explain to people that that donation came from 
stock that had been invested since who knows when my I don't know when my grandpa actually started that, but he was the one that right. started this whole investment thing. Right. It was a so deliberate it came from these for, gifts of stock yeah, to Purdue the brand. Yeah. that if anything, it truly came out of the owner's pocket. Yeah. Not anything else to do with yeah. the employees, what took away from them or anything else. Right. And even the way it was done at the end of the commitment of making the donation, how it was able to be done over time. I mean, the owners didn't even really see yeah. a, a hit to that investment pool because the way stocks grow and different things. And they're managed very well to be able to keep being a vibrant part of the whole package. And so, I mean, we were able to do that and not miss a beat with the working operations of the farm. And yeah. so now there's the Hobart and Russell Creighton Hall of Animal Sciences down on the Purdue campus. And it's a beautiful facility. They said when it was, even before it opened, before the, uh, before the big dedication was done, everything, they said they already saw students from other the different little school pods kind of thing down on campus, they saw other students coming in because it was such a great place to sit and study, come and hang out with other students, whatever, that they saw these people attracted to coming and sitting, sitting around or being in the building. Yeah. And we got to see a, when we got to do our first kind of tour through the building while it was still under construction, I mean, they set it up to be so flexible where a lab building, things could be kind of taken down, walls folded back, different things, where all of a sudden it could become a different kind of room yeah. and different things. They build it so much for the future and stuff of teaching and being the best for the student and getting good production out of students that I don't get down there often enough to see it, but I'm working on that. But So, so you've been, you've, you are a native, mm -hmm. okay? Um, based on my definition, yes. of native. Uh, <laughs> and so, and you have um, enjoyed the 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 community and the the um, just the the growth and change over the last umpteen years. Let's say thirty years, right? Um, and you represent somebody who could potentially be driving down the road. Uh, who would be maybe not from this area, um, but is in the same mind frame as you. Um, if you were going to, if you had access to that person, and you do through this podcast, <laughs> and you wanted to say something to them that made them curious enough to turn the wheel and experience the county, either left or right, off of 30, what would you say to that person? How would you, how would you incite them to come to, how would you incentivize them to come to, experience Kosciuszko? It's such a diverse community. You know, we kind of, as agriculture, fight, fight tooth and nail for our little um, claim to fame for the county yeah. because we have that huge orthopedic umbrella over us. And agriculture is so deeply rooted in our community that it makes it so diverse. And to me, it gives it a different sort of, you know, do things on a handshake, do things, you know, just, you know, that whole maybe corny, um, who's your hospitality kind of thing. Right. Um, it's, I mean, between the lakes areas, that's not just up North. I mean, those 
neat, smaller, more more private lakes and stuff that go on down through the southern part of the county. Mm. And if nobody has spent much time driving through the southern part of the county, it's beautiful. And we even looked one time at maybe trying to figure out land down there to buy to you know, move and build a house because it's just hilly and it's for as flat as we are up here. It's hilly down there. And it's just a beautiful, quiet, serene area that, you know, filled with a lot more farmland and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you can have the hustle bustle of the lakes and be a part of the big, you know, all the lake life around here. Um, But then just, I mean, I love what our downtown is becoming and stuff. There's, I wish we could be more of a part of it. I'd love to have a, you know, crazy egg coffee shop uptown, but um, that's... (laughs) <laughs> that's not in our cards right now, but um, you know, I wish people could experience what the day. And sometimes, as a native, you kind of take for granted a lot of this stuff, and you take for granted what we have to offer. So probably one of my better experiences have been being on the Kosciuszko Visitors Bureau board, and because of our tour opportunity out there and different things, I kind of became I became involved in their board several years ago. And kind of having your eyes opened on, because their their job and mission is to bring people here, whether it's day trip and come to Winona. Yeah, you know, right. That's such a neat, unique little right. place. Um, come downtown, come to the lakes, come to the trails, come to the, you know. And, you know, if we don't have much snow now for the cross-country skiers or ice for, ice for the ice fishermen or something. But, you know, yeah. we're a year-round community. While well, a lot of people from here find their find their way south this time of year, and it kind of goes a little quiet, but there's still so much to do. You know, yeah. we may not have good old Mount Wawasee anymore for anybody that goes way back <laughs> um, to have our own little even skiing oper- you know operation. But um, there's just it offers so much. Mount Wawasee. Okay, so <laughs> I, in in this last in this last little bit, um, I heard two things that I really really. That hit. Um, who's your Who's your hospitality? Mm-hmm. Right, that is something that is often overlooked. There's, it's a hard. It's it's hard to paint the picture of the visceral interaction you have with people in this area, um, but it is distinct. And I think the best description of that is who's your hospitality. Well, that used to be the license plate slogan back in the eighties. It was right <laughs> right across our license plate. Who's your hospitality? Yeah. Coincidentally, Mount Wawasee. Back in the 80s, and Mindy, I grew up on the south side of Mount Wawasee. Mm-hmm. Just it's out by back window of the farmstead growing up. So okay, so before we get to Mount Wawasee, because I <laughs> I, I got to know what this is, because uh, we're in Indiana, and if I was going to make a postcard, nowhere on that postcard would be a mountain, <laughs> especially Kosciuszko County, <laughs> being as flat as not known for mountains. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you need to know the other name. What it's called on the map is Buzzard Hill. Okay, <laughs> is what okay. it's called. All right, all right, all right. So it's a hill. So the, it's, yeah. the other thing you said that really struck, um, well, it, it resonated with me, was uh, the integrity of of a community that still exists but is often overlooked because of their humble nature, and that is the integrity of being able to do a deal with a handshake. There, it, that used to be the quintessential nature of a good person the character of a good person and i i think that when you meet people 
in this area, you get that sense. There's integrity still exists in the world. And this town, the Hoosier, Hoosier hospitality, is a good picture of that character. So anyway, mm-hmm. Buzzard Hill. <laughs> okay, Buzzard Hill. Mount Wallasey, yep. Mount, what is... It actually had a chairlift. It's a ski... You're, ta- you're talking about a ski hill. Yeah, a ski... ski it, they had a, a bona fide chairlift. Yeah. <laughs> and the poles are still there on it. Now, the hill... Now, Mount Wallasey is slowly being taken away because they found that part of the reason why it was a mountain, a hill, is it's a gravel hill. So they're, they're slowly but surely... It's Mount, a quarry now. The, Mount Wallasey is... is uh, a third, well, down a third from what it used to be. But yeah, back in the day, we skied up and down Mount Wawasee, chairlift and everything. That is That's the fantastic. first time I strapped on a set of skis, and yeah. I haven't done that many times. I've only done that once, other than Mount Wawasee. Total ski time, like five seconds? Oh, they had some decent, I mean, they had some... I never, I mean, I was like so novice and scared of crashing that I never ventured when the other people went in the mm-hmm. they had some little back trails yeah, the some, back trail, you know huh? more mm-hmm. adventurous little areas to go and we're not yeah. talking about cross country skiing right no, we're talking we're about no. downhill I'm talking is... it chairlift take you up to the top and you drop you off and you go that is fantastic yeah, yeah they had yeah. the little rope lift that you just hang on to was for the first little like yep. bunny mm-hmm. hill yep. of sorts but then they had the actual chairlift which yep. i ventured onto in my mm-hmm. wild and crazy days yeah. The the T posts are still there for the chairlift. Yeah. They still go up the side. Well, somebody's got to buy that and turn that into a tube thing for the winter. I mean, that's an obvious. Yeah. That's a no. That's a no brainer. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So <laughs> yeah, we got to get snow again, like we used to get. Right. I mean, we get snow. For we just more don't than get day. snow like yeah, we used right. to get. So. so we're we're sitting we're sitting in an yes. hour, guys. So we got to go to the final <laughs> signature question. Mindy, this has been great. Oh, thank thank you. you. Go ahead, Jody. So we Uh-oh. do a signature question at the end of every one of these episodes. Okay. Um, and I'm looking closely to see if she's surprised or not because that'll tell you whether she actually listens to other podcasts. She so. didn't listen. To no, she didn't. She's got it. that surprised yeah. look uh-huh. on her face. Yeah. yeah. So this <laughs> is the Clearly Kosciuszko podcast. Okay. So we always ask, what does Clearly Kosciuszko mean to you? Well, obvious between lakes, streams, rivers, all of that, the water that is all things Kosciuszko. That's kind of the first thing I think of, you know. So then I guess beyond that would be, you know, clearly this is the best place to live. Clearly this is the best place for business. Clearly this is, you know, all things Kosciuszko. Or, you know, once you can get past pronouncing the name properly, you know, that... Uh, and Everyone says it wrong, right? It's, it's, I even say it wrong. Kosciuszko. Yeah, see, I say the... You know, non-native adopted son of Kosciuszko. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weigh out on this one. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> I had just, heard I'm back through things that Kosciuszko is closer. Probably I'm butchering it, but... Um, yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna st- I'm gonna step yeah. aside on this. We'll one. have to bring a historian in. We'll have to do a podcast <laughs> with a historian <laughs> that knows yeah. intimately knows the yeah. backstory of yeah. Kosciuszko. All right, Mindy, it's been great. Uh, we we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> um, but we'll, like I said, get me started on chickens and eggs. And, well, I could have kept going. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah we could. Uh, I I noticed that we were. Uh, Alan came in and wanted his office back, so I figured we probably yeah. should tire down. But Mindy, it's it's been a, it's been great. Uh, thanks for talking with us and sharing a little bit of insight uh, on Creighton's story, how you guys are ensconced in the community, and what the community means to you. 
So, Jody, it's uh, it's been a pleasure again. We will talk with you next time. This is the Clearly Kosciuszko podcast, and we invite you to tune in. We'll have another episode real quick. Talk to you soon. Clearly Kosciuszko is a countywide voice created in partnership between the Lilly Center for Lakes and Streams, Kosciuszko County Convention and Visitors Bureau, Kosciuszko Chamber of Commerce, and the Kosciuszko Economic Development Corporation. If you're seeking a day trip or a weekend getaway, a place to start your business, or a flexible location for a corporate conference, Clearly Kosciuszko will connect residents and visitors with the right resource throughout the county. Thanks for listening.